Section 82 of Mark Twain, A Biography. Part 2, 1907 to 1910. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Mark Twain, A Biography by Albert Bigelow Payne. Chapter 293 The Return to the Invisible. There would be two days more before Ossip and Clara Gabrilovich could arrive. Clemens remained fairly bright and comfortable during this interval though he clearly was not improving. The physicians denied him the morphine now, as he no longer suffered acutely. But he craved it, and once, when I went in, he said rather mournfully, "'They won't give me the subcutaneous any more.' It was Sunday morning when Clara came. He was cheerful and able to talk quite freely. He did not dwell upon his condition, I think, but spoke rather of his plans for the summer." At all events he did not then suggest that he counted the end so near, but a day later it became evident to all that his stay was very brief. His breathing was becoming heavier, though it seemed not to give him much discomfort. His articulation also became affected. I think the last continuous talking he did was to Dr. Halsey on the evening of April 17th, the day of Clara's arrival. A mild opiate had been administered, and he said he wished to talk himself to sleep. He recalled one of his old subjects, dual personality, and discussed various instances that flitted through his mind, Jekyll and Hyde phases in literature and fact. He became drowsier as he talked. He said at last, This is a peculiar kind of disease. It does not invite you to read. It does not in invite you to be read too. It does not invite you to talk, nor to enjoy any of the usual sick-room methods of treatment. What kind of a disease is that? Some kinds of sicknesses have pleasant features about them. You can read and smoke and have only to lie still. And a little later he added, It is singular, very singular, the laws of mentality, vacuity. I put out my hand to reach a book or newspaper which I have been reading most glibly, and it isn't there, not a suggestion of it. He coughed violently and afterward commented, If one gets to meddling with a cough, it very soon gets the upper hand and is meddling with you. That is my opinion of seventy-four years' growth. The news of his condition, everywhere published, brought great heaps of letters, but he could not see them. A few messages were reported to him. At intervals he read a little. Suetonius and Carlyle lay on the bed beside him, and he would pick them up as the spirit moved him and read a paragraph or a page. Sometimes when I saw him thus, the high color still in his face and the clear light in his eyes, I said, It is not reality. He is not going to die. On Tuesday the 19th he asked me to tell Clara to come and sing to him. It was a heavy requirement, 
but she somehow found strength to sing some of the scotch airs which he loved and he seemed soothed and comforted when she came away he bade her good-bye saying that he might not see her again but he lingered through the next day and the next his mind was wandering a little on wednesday and his speech became less and less articulate but there were intervals when he was quite clear quite vigorous and he apparently suffered little we did not know it then but the mysterious messenger of his birth-year so long anticipated by him appeared that night in the sky the perihelion of halley's comet for eighteen thirty five was november sixteenth for nineteen ten it was april twentieth on thursday morning the twenty first his mind was generally clear and it was said by the nurses that he read a little from one of the volumes on his bed from the suetonius or from one of the volumes of carlyle early in the forenoon he sent word by clara that he wished to see me and when i came in he spoke of two unfinished manuscripts which he wished me to throw away as he briefly expressed it for he had not many words left now i assured him that i would take care of them and he pressed my hand it was his last word to me once or twice that morning he tried to write some request which he could not put into intelligible words and once he spoke to gabrilovich who he said could understand him better than the others most of the time he dozed somewhat after midday when clara was by him he roused up and took her hand and seemed to speak with less effort good-bye he said and dr quintard who was standing near thought he added if we meet but the words were very faint he looked at her for a little while without speaking then he sank into a doze and from it passed into a deeper slumber and did not heed us any more through that peaceful spring afternoon the life wave ebbed lower and lower it was about half-past six and the sun lay just on the horizon when dr quintard noticed that the breathing which had gradually become more subdued broke a little there was no suggestion of any struggle the noble head turned a little to one side there was a fluttering sigh and the breath that had been unceasing through seventy-four tumultuous years had stopped forever he had entered into the estate envied so long in his own words the words of one of his latest memoranda he had arrived at the dignity of death the only earthly dignity that is not artificial the only safe one the others are traps that can beguile to humiliation death the only immortal who treats us all alike whose pity and whose peace and whose refuge are for all the soiled and the pure the rich and the poor the loved and the unloved end of chapter 293 the return to the invisible read by john greenman